0: what's up repress your family we are back with another bible study message for you and continuing in our holy holy series in this message we're hearing from sean pierce we hope and pray that this message resonates with you and empowers you here we are all right and so um before we jump into uh the message actually for today i want to do a little bit of recap really quick and so um this week is actually going to be a transition message so it's going to be transitioning from what we've been talking about we're still in the same series but we're going to jump into the second half of this series um and so i want to i want to jump this off again and be upfront with y'all like listen hey um like Kai kind of said every message that we've done is it's a building block and so it's building on the last message in which uh was given and so the next 10 weeks is the full series after these next 10 weeks the series is over And so when I say that we've broken this up piece by piece because we really want and we really feel like uh, so strongly like this is what uh, we're all supposed to be um, focusing on for the theme of this year. And so uh, I'm asking you that if you are a part of the family, if you know that this is where you're supposed to be for sure, um, and if you obviously, you're always welcome to be here, but if you know that this is where you're playing at, my ask is to make sure these next 10 weeks like you're there because every message is going to build and I would hate for you to miss out on one. And if you obviously something comes up, uh, you know, they're posted on the app, on the um, podcast app. So obviously you can always go or replay it there or listen for the first time there. But you definitely want to make sure you catch uh, every building block because it's going to definitely matter. All right. And so. Um, again, as she mentioned, the the theme of this year is holy, holy. So the pursuit of holiness. Um, I do want to give the vision again, like I have every week. So the vision for 2024 is to understand and to pursue holiness for the purpose of obeying God, living life the king's way, and also to become our purest and most innocent selves. Um now, I have given this warning every week and I want to continue to give it to you because I feel like it's so important to me. Um, as we are going throughout this, I don't know about you, but I know I've t- I've heard from a couple of you that, hey, things have been coming up. You've been um, uh, dealing with some things that maybe you haven't dealt with in a while. You've been thinking about things you haven't thought about in a while from the conversations and from the messages that we've had. Um, remember that there is help out there for you. And so continue to seek the counseling, counseling continue to seek the therapy, because I think that it's going to be super important as we go throughout this year, um, dealing with the things that we're dealing with um, and pursuing the things in which we're pursuing. And so as they do come up, as you do start to feel the things in which you're feeling, remember this, uh, that, that, that the Bible tells us that there's no condemnation in those that are in Christ Jesus. So Um, if condemnation is what you feel, then remember that that's not from him. And so um, direct that to where it needs to be directed. Obviously, uh, remember that we cast down every vain imagination um, and make it be obedient to Christ. And so um, let's remember these things as we continue to journey throughout um, this series. Now, let's go over this really quick and we're gonna jump in. So what is innocence? I wanna remind us what is actually innocence. What is it? Um, Innocence, number one, is the state of being clean. Um, pure, and morally free from guilt. Um, innocence also is the absence of pollution, uh, which means to be filled with harmful things. And the last one I really love is innocence ultimately is the absence of disloyalty to God. And so this is what we've been uh, dealing with the last couple of weeks. Um, and and obviously we've been dealing with holiness as well. And so as we continue to, to deal with this, this message today is going to be a transition from um, what we've been dealing with as far as really, really just breaking down and kind of bringing us back to understand what innocence is, Um, where has it been for us? Um, Have we been actually living in a state of innocence? If not, when is the last time we've lived there or we've actually experienced that? Um, And obviously understand that we have access to all of these things through what, what Jesus did on the cross that John 10, 10, a part of that says that uh, Jesus says that I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Um, obviously the word life in that text is not talking about um, life and death as we know it, but he's talking to actually people that are alive. And if he's saying, um, I came to give you life, then obviously he's not talking about um, you either being in a grave or on top of a grave. He's talking about a life that in which they weren't experiencing in that moment. And so that life that he's talking about is um, everything that comes from what he did for us. So peace that's unexplainable, uh, uh, joy that's unspeakable, um, being able to experience holiness because we're holy through him, being able to have access to an innocence because we're innocent through him, um, living the life in every aspect um, that he gives us access to live. I don't know about y'all, but Uh, I've came to a conclusion in my life that every day what I'm striving to do is be able to steward and live in the fullness of what Jesus came and died for me for, that I don't want to take not even a piece of it for granted, I don't want to not experience not even a piece of it, I want it all, Um, if he came and died for me in that area I want the fullness of that area. I want it to be whole in that area. And so as we are continuing to pursue this, just keep this in mind. And so let's pray really quick and we're going to jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you first and foremost for this time, God. We thank you for uh, this message. And God, I'm praying that this is what you want your people to hear. And God, I pray that you would allow for us to have an open heart, open mind to your word. And God, I'm praying that as we uh, go through your word, God, that you would, uh, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us individually, uh, specifically on the things in which you want us to know about ourselves today and god i'm praying that you would allow for us to take that um and continue to partner with your spirit to uh be transformed to be able to uh, continue to live out the things in which you put in your word for us to live out for us to be able to live that life that jesus came to give us and so god we thank you we love you we honor you i ask you forgive us of our sins known and unknown and continue to do a work in our life transforming us from the inside out in jesus name we pray amen and so listen family Um, let's do a little recap. So week one, week one, we talked about, um, the vision. We talked about the vision for 2024. Uh, week two, we went into talking about God's holiness. Angie came in and and talked about how God is holy. That's who he is. Um, he set apart. There is none like him. Um, then I came back and talked about where is my innocence. That message in week three was specifically just to get us back to even realize, hey, that this is a part of the life that we actually have the ability to live through Christ. Um, And if we're not even thinking about and we're not cognizant of the the fact that we have the ability to live that life, then there could be a possibility that we're forfeiting a part of the life that he gave us because we just don't even know that we can have it again. And that some of us have... Uh, lived a life that was contrary to being able to steward our innocence. So we've gotten to a point where we don't even think we can get back to it. And so my uh, 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 charge in that message was really to get our mind back to really realizing a piece of the life that Jesus came and died for us to have and be reminded that, Hey, through him, that's a part that we can get back. That later on, we're going to talk about, that's a part of us being able to uh, recover or, uh, uh um, uh, redeem our Eden, redeem our Eden. And so being able to go back to our original state, that this is the state that God created uh, uh men and women in. And through what happened in the garden, that was something that was, was lost. But just because the first Adam failed, the second Adam, which is Jesus, which in Hebrews, it talks about uh, Jesus coming and Uh, redoing and doing over uh, what should have been done the first time, right? And so this whole concept of just getting us back to really thinking about um, innocence again. Uh, Week four, the enemy of our innocence, we talked about how we do have a present, a very present enemy that the devil is, uh, the same devil that was in the garden. He has the same uh, schemes and tricks. He wants the same uh, foundational thing to happen. He wants to get us to be in the same state that he is, which is in opposition to God. And by doing that, he uses his schemes, he uses his tricks, um, he uses his his patterns to try to get us to make a decision to put us in opposition. Not even so that we lose everything that we're trying to live out, but just so that he can feel like he's getting the worship that he tried to, to, that he did steal, which allowed for him to be casted down from heaven. And so that's his ultimate uh, uh desire. But in that desire, we lose everything that we're trying to live out because we're in opposition to our father when we make that decision. That was week uh four. Week five was last week. Um, put some fire in the chat for Kaya. She came and gave us a word on the inner me of our innocence, talking about the fact that yes, we have a very present enemy, yes. Um, He is going to come with his schemes, with his tricks, with his patterns. Yes, he's going to come and try to get us to make a decision. Yes, he's going to do all of that. But at the end of the day, um, the decision that we make cannot be blamed on him because we made a decision that God has given us free will. He's given us the ability to make a choice. And he's also given us the ability through Christ to partner with the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to make the right decision Uh, that through the spirit, we have the ability to make the decision that's going to best suit us. And that's going to be the best decision uh, that we can make. So it's on us to have uh, uh, the ability to fight the flesh with the spirit and win every time. Obviously, we're not gonna be perfect, but this was what her message was uh, around, giving us that idea of being reminded that, hey, I know the enemy's coming. I know he's sending his schemes, his tricks. He's trying to get you, uh, he's trying to lay down those, uh, those stumbling blocks for you to fall over. That's his, that's his deal, that's what he wants. But at the end of the day, he's defeated. If we choose to partner with the spirit to make the right choice. Now, this week, This week, this message is titled This. I want my innocence back. I want my innocence back. This week, I'm really just trying to aim at the desire. Like, I know we've been talking about all those great things, we've been breaking down everything, getting us to understand every little piece up to this point. But as this message is is a transitional message, Everything we're about to transition to, which is a lot of practicality and a lot of digging into the things in which happen are, are happening in our daily lives that are causing us to miss our innocence, causing us to miss our holiness, and not allowing us to live in the fullness of what God created us to live in. All of that that we're about to go in really won't make sense if we don't tackle this message today, which is really just talking about our desire to even want it. Now, I want to throw this sticky statement out there just to kind of get us to thinking about this. And it's just a simple question. And the question is simply this, do you want it? Because the reality of it is, if you don't have a desire for something, if there's not a desire for something, then usually there's not going to be a pursuit for it either. That when I think about desire, the desire to want something usually is what births the the pursuit of that thing that in order to pursue a thing, usually you have to desire it first. If you don't desire a thing, then there is no, there, there won't be a birth of the pursuit of that thing. And so if we're not desiring this, if this is not a deep desire within our heart, then everything we're going to talk about after this for the next 10 weeks, it may not even matter. It may be just another message. And so I'm really wanting to question and challenge us to think about that. Do you really even want to live in and be able to steward your innocence. I want to pause. Do you even want it? Because that's a critical question it's, a, it's an essential question that we have to answer in order for us to even begin to pursue what what Jesus has given us through what he did on the cross for us for the finished work of the cross. I want us to answer that question cuz that's a that's a key question to answer when we talk about when we're going to talk about the next 10 weeks that if you don't even want it all the rest of this stuff's not even going to matter and so i really want us to sit really quick and answer that question like do you really want it do you want to be in the state of being clean of being pure of being morally free from guilt from being uh, uh absence of Pollution, which means filled with harmful things. Do you want to be ultimately in the absence absence of disloyalty to God? Like, is that what you want? And I don't want you to throw it in the chat. I don't want you to say nothing. I want you to answer that between you and and you. Is that really what you want? And if it is what you want, then what I want to do is, I I, I want to make this point as well, that throughout the Bible, especially when we read, um, passages where Jesus has healed someone or he had a conversation with somebody that he was healing. He sometimes asks this question. He asks this question of, do you want to be made whole? Like, do you actually want me to do what you're actually asking me to do? Like, do you really want it though? Because even sometimes when we see a problem, And we know it needs to change if we don't desire for it really to change we'll know it but not really want it we'll know that yeah that probably need to go but if we don't really desire it just because we know it don't mean it's going to change so i really want to sit here for a second And I want us to answer that question for ourselves. Do you really want to be able to steward and live in that state that Jesus gave us access to live in? Is that really your desire? Because if it's really your desire, that means some things are gonna have to change. That means some things are gonna have to go back and be undone and be relearned and be unlearned from your decisions or maybe from your adolescence when it wasn't being stewarded properly by those that were adults in your life. I've heard it said this way before, better in one area requires you to undo the bad in another. In order, if you desire better in an area, At the same time, you're going to have desire to undo the things that are causing it not to be good in that area. So you're probably going to have to deal with some things. Not probably. You are going to have to deal with some things that you may not want to deal with. So do we really want to live in that state? So that's really what I want to deal with today. I want to read one verse before I jump into it to kind of give us a launching path for, for the, the text we're going to be in. And this is going to be in Mark chapter five. This story is a story that probably everybody in here knows from front to back, but I just want to dive in. I want to pull some things out of it that I feel um, at about four and a this morning, I felt that are things in which if we don't see, right, we don't handle, right. It could be the thing that is hindering our desire. And so Mark chapter five verses 21 through Uh, thirty-four, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34. I'm going to read it really quick and then we'll jump into it. And this is what it says. It says, uh, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus Ray, arrived. Um, When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all of the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe for she thought to herself, if I can just touch the robe, I will be healed. Immediately the blood stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. And Jesus realized that once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my robe? Uh, his, his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then he frightened the woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over And so we probably heard this story, we probably read this story many times about the woman with the issue of blood. But what I want to focus on in this story is is not necessarily about the actual uh, uh, context of the story. I want to stay in the context, but I really want to pull from this story her desire. I want to talk about the desire that she had and some things in here that if she didn't see it right could have stopped her desire, and I think a lot of us, including myself, maybe haven't desired in a sense, and may not even in this moment desire it after I did a little bit of questioning about it in the way that we should, because it's a gift, because it's something that Jesus gave us through the finished work on the cross, we may not desire it in the way that we should due to some things in the text that could be happening in our lives that are leading us to not desire it. And so I want I want to look at the text in the context though if we if we look at the text we we see a man that's a, a, a leader in a local church, a local synagogue and he's coming to Jesus to ask him to come to his house to be a, a healer for his daughter for his little daughter is dying and he wants him to come and heal her and Jesus uh, uh, agrees And he says, yes, let's go. We can go to your house. And when he's going to the house, so he's he's surrounded by a crowd. And when he's surrounded by a crowd, uh, the woman in the crowd had suffered uh, for 12 years with constant bleeding. Now, this verse here in verse 25 it, it is controversial because uh, uh, in the context of the culture that this is written in, this woman should have never been in the crowd because she had an issue of blood, old uh, the Old Testament would have told us that she shouldn't be around other people, that she's considered to be unclean, that she should have been at home somewhere chilling, and that she wasn't allowed to be in a place where others are gathered. This should have been her thought process. But there was something about this woman that made her know what others were saying, but because she knew who was gonna be around, she took, she made a decision to go and do something that could have landed her in a bad situation. She took the risk of going to do what she knew she needed to do to get what she needed to get, even though culturally, socially, people weren't going to like it. So she's in this situation where she's taking a risk, but she knows this risk has to be taken. Because my desire to get what I know I can get from the one I know who can give it is greater than my desire to fulfill cultural norms. My desire to go and do what I know I need to do is greater than my desire to please people and make them feel good about themselves. So this woman in the crowd, she decides, hey, I'm going in this crowd because Later in the text, we we see she says because she heard that Jesus was going to be in the area. So as the woman is in the crowd, it tells us about this woman, and I love when it gives us details on on, on specific things about her life, but also I love when it tells us how long she was dealing with this issue, 12 years. 12 years is a long time to be dealing with the same issue. So I want to make this so uh, 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 um, picture for us because when we think when we read this Bible sometimes I know me I done read it and we read it it's like hmm okay 12 years okay let's go to the next part but 12 years is significant because this means that this woman has been seeing her illness dealing with the emotional the mental the spiritual trauma that's coming from her condition. She's dealing with what a lot of people decide to go and commit suicide because of, decide to go and do all of these terrible things because of. Just imagine, imagine you just seeing the same problem for 12 years and the text tells us that she doesn't just see it, but her desire is to be healed. And we know that's her desire because the text says that she goes and she visits as many doctors as she can to see if they have the cure for her disease. And so she's searching, she's looking, she's trying to figure it out. The text also tells us that financially, it's all ran out. There's nothing left in the bucket to pay for her to go to another doctor. So not only can she not, see other doctors because they can't figure it out. But also she can't go to see nobody else because she don't have the money to go and do it. 12 years. This is 12 years of her having to deal with this. And the text tells us that it goes 12 years long And she's going to see people that have studied this and should know how to do certain things, should know how to look at the body and be able to test the blood and be able to do all of these things. And they're not helping. So much so that the text tells us, and the text says, I'm not saying this, the text says that she doesn't get better. The text also says she actually gets worse so she has a desire she's actually doing things to 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 help her try to accomplish what her desire is and it ain't working not that it's not working but it's getting worse and in verse 27 it says and she heard i think this is so important because what this does say is even though everything was getting better it was getting worse she didn't allow her mind. She didn't allow her heart. She didn't allow everything that should have went bad in reality. Because let's be honest, when health is going bad, when when, when when you're actually doing the thing, I could see if she was at home and she was just complaining all day, she wasn't doing nothing about it. She's like, I don't know. And da, da, da. I can see like, okay, like you probably shouldn't like, you're complaining like nothing's going to get, but she's actually doing things. She's actually going, trying to get it fixed, trying to figure out what she could do, trying to, trying to use all the money she can to see if there, she can get an answer. She's doing all the things that she possibly could do to try to make it better. And it's getting worse. And she didn't allow that to cause her not to hear the best thing she could have heard. The text says she heard. And when she heard, she allowed what she heard, what, what she heard to fuel her faith to make another decision. And what I'm saying that for is, is because of this. Some of us are in a situation. I know I'm in it right now where you didn't, you you have literally done all you should have been doing. You went and done it, you went and did this, you went and did that. You're trying to walk by the spirit. You're trying to make the best decision. You're spending your time with the Lord. You're in your Bible. You're also praying. You're doing everything that you possibly could do. But this is my encouragement. Don't let the frustration of what's not happening cause you not to hear. The text doesn't say that somebody had a two-hour-long conversation with her And they was encouraging her, and they were trying to pump faith into her. Now the text just told us she just heard. She heard that the problem fixer was in the room. She heard that Jesus would be in the area. And all she had to do was hear, and it kept her faith and her desire alive. Some of us need to just hear today, listen, just don't give up on it. Because who knows when you are here? What if you hear here tomorrow? What if you hear in a month from now? Are you going to allow what's happened to cost you to not hear the best news you can possibly hear? That's going to fix the thing in which you've been trying to get fixed for 12 long years. Where's your desire? She heard. She didn't even. Hear. That it was going to get fixed. She just heard Jesus would be in the area. She didn't know that what she heard was 100% going to get it done. We know this by by the transaction that happened when she went and touched the road. She was afraid. She was like, oh, did I make a bad decision? Oh my goodness, I don't know if I did the right thing. If she knew it, she wouldn't have been afraid. Like, listen, this is what I'm supposed to be. She just heard it. She didn't hear it was going to get fixed right then, right there. She didn't hear that, that people were going to uh, uh, not bash her and not treat her wrong because she was not supposed to be in that area at that time. With people, she didn't. All she heard was that Jesus was going to be there. There was no promise attached. There was nothing that was just letting her know it was 100% going to be done. All she needed was to hear. And it was what she heard that continued to keep her faith And her desire alive. Where's your desire? Where's your faith right now? Where, Where is it at? So she heard about Jesus. Listen to what the text says. She heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Listen to what she says here. If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. I've never thought about this, but this faith, this is a different faith because she believed that if I just touch something that's touching him, it'll do it. Let's not forget what this woman has been doing for 12 years she been going to everybody, trying to get everything fixed, trying to do all of these things, trying to, trying to fix it on, on her own, spending all the money. She's been doing all of these things. And because she heard, she didn't let her desire die. She kept her faith alive. She had faith to the point that she said, listen, I may not even get him to touch me. I may not even get to experience what I heard all these other people got to experience. He touched the man eye. He touched the man hand and it came back. He he did all these things by touching people. Her faith said, listen, if I could just touch something that's touching him, it'll do it for me. Her desire is strong. Her faith is strong. Because she heard. If I can touch his robe, And it was actually the end of his robe. If I can just touch something that's touching him, I have faith to believe it'll do it for me. Her desire is strong. She has a desire to say, listen, I want this. I want it. I want that. I want it. And the question that we have to a- answer today is, do you really want it though? Like, do you really want it? Do you want to really live in the state that Jesus died for you to be able to live in, that that we have to steward correctly? Do we want it though? Do we want the benefits of being able to live pure and clean? free from filth, free from pollution, and unity and intimacy with our Father? Do we really want that? Now, the text goes on to say that, I love this, verse 29, it says, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body, it's a feeling, she can feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus ain't said nothing. Jesus ain't done nothing. She touched, she felt that she had been healed in her body. But this is the thing. I don't know about y'all, but when something is bleeding, even if you feel a certain way, you would want to check and see if the blood really not coming out no more. She can't do that. She can't check and see, oh, am I still bleeding a little? Like, she in public, y'all. So she can't do like a thorough check or nothing like that. But she felt in her body from the touch that she was made whole. This all came from her desire, though. Her desire to allow for her to choose to walk out faith. For her to be made whole. Her desire to be healed was great. She didn't let it die. Even over 12 years. Even when, even when it didn't look like she probably should desire it anymore. Year one, it ain't working. Year two is not working. Okay, year three, it's gonna happen. Year four, five, six, seven, Ain't that like a perfect number or something like that? Okay, it ain't working. No. Eight, nine, ten. Oh, yeah. We might as well give it up. Decade? Eleven. Twelve. Twelve at work. She didn't let desire die. And my, 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 I think my burden is that some of us in certain areas have let the desire die. And so this is the thing that I think is the issue. You have faith, but you lost the desire. But just because you have faith in one thing doesn't mean you have faith in another thing. That faith has to be activated for that thing. But my question is, why would you activate a faith in a thing that you don't have a desire for anymore? Think about that. I'm not saying that you don't got faith no more. I'm not saying you don't got faith in Jesus because you probably do. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is just because you have faith in a thing and one thing doesn't mean you have faith. Let me say it this way. Just because you have faith in Jesus don't mean you have faith in Jesus to do that, though. And how could we say we have faith in Jesus to do that if we lost desire? Whatever that is for you. uh, Collectively, we're talking about innocence. We're talking about what, what we feel burdened that God has warned us to pursue holiness. What Jesus died for us to be able to live in. And so it says, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? I love this because what this tells us is the touch was different. That the ordinary touch and a faith touch is two totally different things. Just because you're touching don't mean you got faith for anything. A regular touch because it says they were pressing up against him. So everybody was touching on him. And just because everybody was touching on him, it it, it wasn't until faith touched him that virtue left. So again, I'll say, I'm not saying that those people that were touching him, his disciples were there, followers of him. I'm not saying they didn't have faith in him. But what I am saying is that they didn't have the same desire that she had for what she had it for. And that's why when her faith touched, virtue came. Power came. But what if she lost desire in the crowd? Because she's like, it's too many people and I know that they're going to be mad. I know they're going to get mad at me. I'm going to just go home. It wouldn't matter what where her faith was at because the desire would have left and she would have she wouldn't have pressed through the crowd she wouldn't have kept pressing if she lost desire in in the middle of the crowd so Jesus says this he says but he kept on looking around to see who had done it this touch is different then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell to her came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. I touched you, I did it. And this is what Jesus said to her, daughter, which is something who knows when the last time she heard that, daughter. I'm gonna address you in a way that shows you what I am to you. I can't call you daughter if I'm not your father, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering is over. I got a question for you though, straight from the text. Go in peace, your suffering is over. We already read above that she felt in her body that she was healed and the bleeding stopped. So she was already healed at that moment. And then Jesus comes back and says, go in peace, your suffering is over. This is what I want, to, I want to point out here. I'm going to give us a point point and we're done. What if the suffering that he's saying is over is not the suffering that she already felt was over? What if he's saying all the stuff that came with the suffering that you were dealing with from 12 years of bleeding, that's over too. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I'm not only going to stop the bleeding, but because of your faith, You're made whole. You're made well. The things in which came with the 12 years of suffering, that's healed too. Go in peace. Don't go in peace because the bleeding stopped. Go in peace because your faith has made you whole. That Bible is good, I'm telling y'all. That Bible is so good. Because the text literally told us just a minute ago, that when she touched him, Bert, when she touched him, she felt in her body that she was completely healed. There was no more bleeding. That's what she felt in her body that she was whole, that she was healed. The bleeding stopped. The major issue that she was coming to him for that had stopped. But then Jesus says, "Listen, daughter, your faith has made you well." go in peace, suffering, your suffering is over. If you go back up as well, it talks about her suffering, not just being because of her ailment. It's her her suffering was because she was trying to do all these things and it wasn't working. Just imagine what type of suffering you're going through that we've gone through that we may be going through now, mentally, emotionally, because of a physical ailment. Or mentally because of an emotional issue. Or emotionally because of a mental issue. And Jesus says, listen, your suffering, not your suffering from your physical ailment. Your suffering is over. Go in peace. I want to give us points and we're out of here. I want to give us points based off of this. I want to give us the things that are found in the text that could be aiding to us losing the desire for something. That, do what Jesus did on the cross, he's given us the ability to desire. But it's in us, and also help of the Holy Spirit, to desire it. Do I think, do I know that we can pray for the Holy Spirit to help us to have the desires? Yes. And also when we read the text where Jesus is healing, we don't know if he's talking to sometimes, if he's even talking to people that believe in him. So it would be a a malpractice. I feel of me to be like, every time he asked this question, they prayed for the Holy Spirit to give them a desire. I can't tell you that. But what I can say is he asked that question of, do you you actually want it though? Do you have a desire for this? For real, for real? So I want to give us five practical things that are in the text that we have to be watchful for when it comes to our desire. Our desire for something. The first one is this. We find it when it says, the text tells us that she was in a crowd. In her situation, that some of our desire is being taint, and we're throwing it away because of cultural and so social influences. You're in a certain place. You're dealing with certain people. You're listening to certain things. You're causing your ears to be open to certain people, and you're losing the desire for something that God wants you to desire but because of your social and your cultural influences, you're allowing that to take something away that you should have. And so you haven't lost faith, but you don't desire that anymore. So it doesn't matter about you having faith. You're never gonna have it for that until you realize you lost desire. And what caused you to lose desire was the influences culturally and socially. What if she would have been like, nah, I can't go. I can't, I know Jesus is gonna be there, but I can't go because culturally, like I'm bleeding, I'm unclean. I can't go do that because I know they not gonna accept me over there. Like, I know like I ain't fit for that. Like, I know they not, nah, they're not gonna be mm-mm. Some of us have lost desire because of influences from culture, from social influences, even, even from church, people in the church. And I'm not doubting the church, it's just reality. Sometimes bad influences in the church, that don't mean they're bad people. Good people give bad influence. influence. Good people say bad things. We have to be careful what influence we eat on. Because that can be what tank our desire. Number two, suffering. This is a perfect illustration of something being, something that's been happening for a long time that has been included with suffering for a long time. Suffering has a way of causing you to give up on what you know God has not called you to give up on. If anybody knows that, this woman with the issue of blood knows that. For 12 years, she's been working trying to figure it out, trying to find a way. And she's been suffering the whole time. She had a perfect opportunity at any point throughout year one, from year one to year 12, to give up. And some of us have given up because of suffering. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put suffering as it's not hard. I'm not saying it's not tough. I'm not saying, I'm not saying none of that. But what I am saying is we have to be careful that in suffering, we don't allow suffering to cause us to tank our desire for a thing that God is actually calling us to desire. Some of us don't desire innocence in this point right now because we can't get over the fact that we're suffering from the consequences or from, from what just came from the decisions that were made that caused us not to be able to live in the state that, that Jesus died for us to live in. There's suffering in, in that. But what I'm saying is because of who died for you, because of uh, of how God sees you because of his son, you can't lose desire because of suffering. we see this all throughout the bible perfect example david david makes a bad decision that he has to suffer from by sleeping with another man's wife by having a child by another man's wife that his the child ends up dying he has to suffer because of his consequences. But this is the same man that's a man after God's own heart. That the rest of the Bible we see, even in his mistakes, he continues to pursue the one he knew loved him because he knew what he had in him. There's even in the book of Psalms, there's times where David cried out to God and said, God, make me innocent. And there's also times where he said, God, search my heart because I know I'm innocent. I know I'm in a state of purity. I know I'm in a state of of, of being uh, uh, um, in in." Or having absence of disloyalty to you. I know I'm being loyal to you. I know I haven't made a decision. This is something that David actually cried out. Those words, innocent. So we can't allow our suffering to take our desire. The third one is facts versus truth. The fact was, She did try everything. She was working. She was doing her part. The fact was, she wasn't supposed to be in front of people. There's a lot of facts in this story. But the truth was, the man that she was going to meet was a healer. But in order for her to really believe in that and have faith in that and, and pursue that, she had to keep her desire alive. She had to not give up on the desire. The fact is, we did make some decisions. The fact is, we have misstewarded our our holiness. We have misstewarded our innocence. The facts are, we have done some things. Let me speak for myself. I have done a lot of things. That's a fact. But the truth is, the finished work on the cross wasn't just for the things that I had done years before. It was for the things I I, I do still today. That I still have the ability for forgiveness. I still have the ability for repentance. I still have the ability to turn it around. I still have the ability to pray God to change my heart. I still have the ability to pursue God's intimacy. I still have the ability to get in his word. I still, that's the truth. The truth is he still loves me. The truth is I can still have a heart and a passion and a pursuit of what he's given me through his son. That's the truth. What fact are you allowing to override truth? That's causing you to lose your desire for something that Jesus wants to give you. I ain't talking about the house, the cars, that too. I'm talking about something that we know for a fact that the life that he's given us, that he wants us to have, is something that's out there in front of us. But we have to have a desire to go in faith to live in and steward. Last two, choice of pursuit. Choice of pursuit. Now, I know this woman pursuing all these other things aren't necessarily bad because that's all she knew. She knew she had to go to the doctor. Like she knew, you know, got to pay for the doctor. She had to pursue all these different professional people. There's nothing wrong with that. But even in that, my question to us is, what are we pursuing to fill the void that we feel of being impure, being um, polluted? What are we pursuing? Can I be honest? There's times where I knew how I felt. Where I went and pursued something that was good for me, but it wasn't good from God. But I I knew if I went and pursued it, it would at least get me right for a little second. Or I pursued something good that was good, average for God, but it wasn't his best. So choice of pursuit is important. What you choose to pursue is important. You can have the desire, you can have the faith, but if you use those two and pursue something that's not God's best, which is what he intended, which we learned a couple of weeks ago, is found in the garden, what he intended. If you don't pursue it, you still won't get his best. And in the text, we see she was pursuing all these things and it didn't work. It wasn't until she pursued the best that she got the actual thing she needed and didn't know she needed. She knew she needed healing for the blood issue, but she went and she got even more. All your suffering, go in peace. What is your choice of pursuit? And the last thing is self-talk. What are you telling yourself? Listen, y'all, I'm going to be transparent with y'all. I love to do it. I, I I don't got nothing to hide from nobody. If Jesus know it, I'm fine. Um, Last night, listen, I, this message, I, I just finished this message. I'm probably like, I'm on Pacific, about 7.25. 9.25 for you, most of y'all. Because I stayed up all night trying to do this, but it was the self-talk that I was telling myself because of how life is looking right now. Self-talk and also just the tricks of the enemy, the things we've been talking about. And I'm praying, I'm journaling. I'm like, man. And I end up like, man, listen, four, b- between 4, or 5 o'clock, I'm going to go to sleep and wake up. And God, you got to do something because I'm trying. I've been up this whole night. It ain't working. And I had to be reminded of the self-talk. What are you saying to yourself, though? One o'clock, two o'clock, in the morning, what are you saying? Though? What, what are you speaking? Remind yourself, what are you actually saying? And we see this in the text. It says, For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. She said to herself. What are you saying to yourself? Because what you're saying to yourself. Could lead to the decision that you make. So if it's not. In alignment. With what God is saying to you about that thing. If it's not. In alignment with what this Bible is saying about that thing. That could be the reason why you don't desire it anymore. What you said to yourself, she said to herself, if I can just touch, what's touching him, I believe it'll, it'll happen. It's going to happen for me. So, what are you saying to you? Because we have this thing, and I'm done that only thing that matters is what God said to me. That matters. And if God said one thing and you're telling yourself something else, you still could go and do the wrong thing. They both matter. What you say, what he said, and what you said. What are you saying though? I know they said Jesus is going to be there, I know. But I don't know if it's going to happen for me, though. No matter if Jesus is there, you're not going because of what you said to yourself. Oh, I know they said innocence is something that God, Jesus died on the cross for for me to have. It's about It's about the life, the Zoe life. It's about the life that he came to give us more abundantly. That's all included. But I don't deserve that because of what I did. I know I was out here tripping. I oh, don't, oh. It ain't for me though. You won't live in that state not because God doesn't desire it but because you said to yourself something that's not in alignment with what's going to lead you to pursue it. I'm done, y'all. And so listen, I want to pray really quick um, and I'm going to pass it back to Kaya. And so before I do, I want to I want to pause right here and, and give us this ability to kind of sit. Um, And I'll let her give give the invitation. So uh, my question to all of us is to to pause right here, wherever you are. If you're driving, obviously don't close your eyes, but you can still ponder on this. Um. I love this because I feel like this is the most important part about it. I can say all these things, but if Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you specifically, it could just be my words, right? And so I want to give us a chance to allow Holy Spirit to speak to us. So uh, if we pause and ask that question to ourselves, hey, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me about this? What in this message is really for me, though? What are you wanting me to actually say about this? What are you saying to me about this? What are you trying to get into me? So I'm going to pause right there and then I'll pass it back to Kaya. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me?